Good morning, Trinity Lutheran Church. Make sure you make room for those people that are going to be coming swarming in soon. I'm sure that'll uh, happen in the next four minutes. Uh, welcome to Trinity on this sixth Sunday after Epiphany. So glad to welcome Pastor Eileen here today to preach and lead our worship for us. Glad to have you here always. And um, I think you get to sing on every song that happens this morning. So um, warm up those voices and uh, sing along. Glad that you are here and glad that you're worshiping with us online, if that's uh, your case this morning. First song is Stand Firm. It comes from uh, a Cameroonian uh, melody and song to start with and then uh, embellished by uh, a man named Rob Glover. You have response parts and you have that refrain. I'll sing it once, then you sing it with me. Stand, oh, stand firm, stand, oh, stand firm, stand, oh, stand firm, and see what our God can do. Here we go. Stand, oh, stand firm, stand, oh, stand firm, stand, oh, stand firm, and see what our God can do. People of God in pain and woe, stand, oh, stand firm. People strong do not fear to change and grow, stand firm and see what our God can do. Troubles abound in the world we know, stand, oh, stand firm. God calls us to serve our neighbors, so we stand firm and see what our God can do. Stand. Oh 
this. <laughs> welcome, welcome for those who have gathered this Sunday and online. So glad to have you here. That, that concept of standing firm in God is the theme of our scripture today. Standing firm in God. Because our human nature is that we get distracted. Our human nature is that we even tend to idolize. This Sunday, there is a sports event called <laughs> the Super Bowl, just as an example. And I understand there are two teams that are playing. <laughs> One is the Kansas City Chiefs. So, this is a safe space for confession. Is there anyone who would just like to profess their, their, their um, appreciation for the Chiefs? Yes, yes. So we know that there is a little idolizing. And then they're playing another team called the Philadelphia Eagles. And I see we have someone who, who appreciates them as well. Anyone else? Eagles. Oh, yes. Yes. So we get distracted by idolizing a bit. For me, it is the halftime show where Rihanna is performing. So, so idolizing is just part of our beloved human nature, isn't it? But the reminder of scripture is to stand firm in God. So in scripture reading, we have uh, the church in Corinth that is idolizing Apollos and Paul, and there's conflict, just like the conflict in the Super Bowl. And how do we call everybody back to stand firm in God? So join us as we gather that in that theme, and I invite you to stand for our gathering worship. Come, let us worship. I'll sing the green and you sing the
prayer of the day. O God, the strength of all who hope in you, because we are weak mortals, we accomplish nothing good without you. Help us to see and understand the things we ought to do and give us grace and power to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Song to sing. It is a uh, it is a love song. I know Rocky likes love songs. See, he loves love songs. And as I said earlier, you have a part to sing, and it will be up on the wall for you there. Thank you. 
This is the sixth Sunday after Epiphany, and the first lesson is from the second chapter of 1 John. Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those things who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride and riches comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires are passing away, but those who do the will of God abide forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
stand as you're able for the second lesson reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you still are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and, the other, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants from who you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's fields, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you this morning from our Lord Jesus Christ who calls us to reveal, grow, and love. With Valentine's Day just two days away, I imagine most of us have love on our mind as reflected through the beautiful music today. Dr. Carmen Hara a psychologist and relationship coach, caught my attention with her assertion that there are five basic stages of love. And reflecting on this reading from 1 Corinthians, I wondered if these five stages of love could be overlaid onto Paul's letter to the worshiping community in Corinth. So this theological curiosity is a lens of the sermon. Are you ready? Stage one. Stage one of love is titled the newlywed stage, in which everything is new and the partners simply want to spend each and every moment with the other. And Dr. Harris says dopamine levels surge and excitement abounds. This is a blissful phase in which both partners have fallen in love and their bond appears to be perfect. Does that sound familiar? Yes. We love stage one of love and bless all those who 
are enjoying that stage one of love today. So what does stage one look like for the Corinthians? Well, the beginning of the relationship begins actually in the book of Acts, chapter 18, which tells us that the church was formed as a result of Paul's preaching in the synagogue, which ultimately was not very well received as he had hoped. So he establishes a community next to the synagogue in a private home where he welcomes both Jews and Greeks. This was the newlywed stage between and among Paul in the early faith community in Corinth with many of the Corinthians who heard Paul becoming believers and were baptized. Paul stayed in Corinth for 18 months teaching the word of God among them. It was a blissful newlywed stage and the bond within the community was strong and seemingly perfect. Stage two of love is referred to as the settling in stage in which the infatuation fades and the masks start coming off. And Dr. Hera notes that partners begin to reveal their true selves. And it can become a time of uncertainty and even fear as we struggle within ourselves to discern whether we are truly lovable, whether another person can indeed love us. And at this stage, quarreling out of insecurity and fear and reversions to old patterns can be disruptive to building trust in the relationship. Does this sound familiar as well? Yeah, it's an uncomfortable time. It's really awkward. For the church in Corinth, it was similarly awkward. After 18 months of seeming bliss, Paul leaves the community and the young church reverts to old patterns of idol worship from the Greek and Roman roots. This reversion, this settling in, evokes conflict as followers elevate fellow disciples Paul and Apollos as idols, with the groups quarreling with jealousy and resentment to determine which one is better. And as Paul admonishes, they are behaving according to human inclinations, fleshy infants who are not ready for spiritually solid food. Uncertainty, conflict, and fear take hold of the community and turmoil prevails. Stage three of love is disappointment and growing. What goes up, they say, must come down. 
every relationship has downward slides when couples drift apart as they notice one another's perceived differences and flaws. It is a time of disappointment, but also learning and growth. This stage is one of discernment, whereby each partner must decide whether the differences can be honored and whether perceived flaws can be forgiven and perhaps even appreciated. This is a stage of self-reflection when we realize that we are imperfect ourselves. Author Dan Savage captures the stage well in his quote, we all have scars. That's what falling in love is all about, revealing your scars to somebody who then loves you anyway. In today's scripture, Paul reminds the Corinthians that diversity is inevitable. Diversity is desired. Diversity between Apollos, Paul, and each and every one of us gathered here. God uses this diversity to plant and water God's love and grace in the world among Jews and Greeks, among male and female, oppressed and entitled, joyful and grieving. With our diversity in identity and in worldviews, we share in a common purpose of proclaiming God's love and forgiveness and hope for all through our different experiences and our different voices. God is the one who grows all that is planted and watered by us. It is this divine development and growth that spans divisions and affirms that we are truly fault and most especially we are truly beloved. Each and every one of us. Stage four of love is labeled comfortable. In this stage of love, couples fall into a routine in which each partner has their designated roles and there is more stability. However, it does not necessarily lead to progress. This stage dominates the span of most relationships. Is that true for you? I, I see some giggling, yes. In reflecting on my own life, this stage almost seemed inevitable, inevitable when building careers, when creating a household, when raising children, stability was the priority of the relationship. Perhaps this stage of comfort speaks about the church after Paul's letters to the Corinthians. Traditions were developed in the church and traditionalism intruded. The definition of traditionalism is the belief in or act of following traditional ideas and ways of doing things. 
conformity that we've always done it this way. Does that sound familiar? This comfort does not necessarily lead to growth or relevance of the church in the world that continues to change. We can spend a lot of time protecting what we believe to be God's fields and God's buildings rather than nurturing and expanding those fields and buildings to invite all who belong, and all means all, and engage in different perspectives and hopes. Instead, like an exhausted couple raising busy children and pursuing demanding careers, the church can be tempted to simply flop on the sofa in exhaustion, comfortable with the messy house and accepting things as they are and always have been for the sake of stability. Our final stage, stage five of love, is known as unconditional love. This is a spiritual stage of love where people can look beyond flaws and are able to share love, which brings joy in the relationship. Dr. Harris says, when you have unconditional love for your partner, you know how to be forgiving and understanding, and there is a steadiness through the ups and downs of the relationship and of life. You can appreciate your partner for who they are, and you cherish who you are when you are with them. This phase is all about embracing imperfections within ourselves and with our partner. There is an ease and trust in daily life, seeing the story and beauty of every scar. May those who find themselves in this stage of love simply cherish it, knowing that all the sleepless nights, all the difficult conversations were worth it. From our first Corinthians reading, this describes the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It describes our relationship with God and what God calls us to realize here on earth among one another and beyond any church wall. Forgiving, understanding, and trustworthy relationships which enable us to endure hardships and share in the words and deeds of God's hope and promise for the world. According to Hera, these five stages rotate throughout the course of any relationship rather than follow a predictable and singular linear progression. That summarizes most of life, doesn't it? Instead, we lived with a tangled skein of yarn, <laughs> and that is what love is. Yet as we journey through stages of love, and stages of faith, may we allow God's indelible and unconditional love to guide us. 
In a few moments, we'll be singing um, the summons, which is an annual request I make of Carl, which he graciously grants each and every time. And I realize that you raised your voices a few Sundays ago to sing this hymn. But what captivates me and reflects this morning's scripture passage is the promise we make to follow God's call in our lives. The lyrics are, in your company I'll go, where your love and footsteps show. Thus I'll move and live and grow in you and you in me. As God's beloved, may you continue your journey to reveal, to heal, to grow, and to love in this global garden, this kingdom of God that we create and tend together. Amen. As we sing the summons, will you come and follow me? I'll invite you to stay uh, seated for this first verse. Um, I will sing the first verse, and then uh, there'll be a green background slide when everybody will sing. And then uh, the red one is for the high voices, and the purple one is for the low voices. And then the green one comes back before we can all finish off the song. Um, just a way to maybe give ourselves a chance to uh, hear the words differently, see them, not have it be the same thing as before. The summons. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my name be known? Will you let my life be grown in you and you in me? Please stand, verse 2. Will you leave yourself behind if I
prayers today have a song response. Peace, be still. We'll sing that once now and then after each petition. teaches us who heed his call to put our love for God into practice by loving our neighbors, living, leaving our egos behind, kissing lepers, and risking hostile stares as we dare to speak out against injustices wherever it is found. O oh God of justice, we look to you. God, may we be glad and sing for joy, for you rule with equity and guide the nations of the earth with its wondrous beauty and generous people. The world also has and has always had its challenges as wars, battles for power, and hate destroys lives daily everywhere around the globe. Let us not lose hope that your love and our love in action can change the world. God of justice, we look to you. of life in Turkey and Syria, as 25,000 souls or more have perished as the result of the earthquake, we remember that many victims have also suffered from the 11-year war. Let us be tireless as we break down barriers, physical, mental, political, and religious, to aid those who have suffered during this catastrophe. God of justice, we look to you. Peace be still, peace be still. The storm rages, peace be still. O healing God, 
Comfort all those who are trapped in chronic sickness, poverty, or depression. Enlighten the hearts of all who give support. We especially hold up Sally Howard and her family as they grieve the loss this week of her husband, Bruce. Give them comfort and strength as Bruce is made new. We lift up those we pray for, either out loud or in the silence of our hearts. God of justice, we look to you. As people of faith, we understand we all undergo suffering. But in that suffering, we know we are never alone. There is work to do as we seek to free ourselves from our blindness and see where we bear responsibility for another's distress and for a renewal. And then move and live and grow in you and you in us. Be with us all and love us into life. These things and more we offer to your hands, O Lord, our loving God. Amen. Amen. For those gathered online, for those of us gathered here today, the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Please share that peace with one another as you feel comfortable. Good morning. <laughs> Lots of love in this room this morning. <laughs> thank you. A few announcements to share this morning. First, thank you, Pastor Eileen, for being here with us today. It's always wonderful to have you here. And thank you to uh, Amy and Dana Mellick, who provided the beautiful altar flowers this morning in honor of all who have lost their beloved partners with a reminder to hug those who are still with us. Sunday Forum this morning, Pastor Todd Wright, who is the Director of Pastoral Care at Bethany of the Northwest, is here. Pastor Todd, he'll be down the hall in Fireside Room uh, at 9.15 this morning uh, talking about what's new with Bethany of the Northwest, so I encourage you to head down the hall and listen in there. And then next Sunday, Carol and Alan will share their uh, journey of El Camino de Santiago. They walked 400 miles on a pilgrimage. So that's next Sunday morning. We get to learn all about that. Um, let's see. I have a note here about men's breakfast coming up this Saturday. Rich, would you like to share with us about that? Thank you, Amy. Uh, good morning, everybody. All right. So over the years, you may have seen me around the church. I've volunteered here, volunteered there. I've been a reader, been an usher, 
was on the endowment for a number of years, and it just turns out that the shoulder was tapped for my next challenge here at Trinity Lutheran Church. That's to follow in the footsteps of Rocky Knickerbocker. As one of the few hosts, there's three or four of us now have come together to revive the men's breakfast. So those of you who haven't been with us before, it's an amazing, great Saturday. It's the third Saturday of each month going forward, which means it's going to be next Saturday, eight o'clock in the gymnasium, and this is quite a breakfast. It's mixed up each month, but generally, you'll have all of the great eggs you could ever consume, bacon, sausage, gravy. <laughs> I finally learned how to make that gravy that you get in a restaurant. Um, crispy hash browns, because we like crispy. We don't like soft. Um, and for the uh, spouses, partners in the rooms, yes, there will be fruit for the men <laughs> also. But um, most important, come join us. It's uh, a single digit dollar suggested donation. Um, the most affordable breakfast on Whidbey Island by far. But the best part is you'll be with 30, 40, and my goal is to have 50 men each Saturday which just means more cooking for us, right, Rocky? Um, but the conversation is wonderful. The pastors are there. And, it, and it's just a great chance to meet some more men around the congregation and have wonderful, great conversations. So there's no need to sign up. Just show up. Third Saturday, next Saturday, 8 o'clock for the men. And if you would like to help learn how to cook these wonderful breakfasts, find me, find Rocky, find Amy, find Pastor Jim, find Robin. They will all direct you to the right place. But we hope to see you all there. And tell your friends, tell your family, everybody's welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Lana, why don't you come up with your cute little headband? <laughs> Here we go. Uh, today is Chocolate Sunday and great coffee hour. Joanne and Jane have been sprucing and moving stuff around and a lot of you brought some really good treats. Um, Carol and Alan, you guys probably deserve all the treats you can eat walking 400 miles. I walked yesterday and I skipped breakfast this morning so that I could eat a few more than what I normally would eat. So, um, the signups for April and March or March and April, I guess I should have said it that way, are in the gym, new display. Not very many people signed up last week, so I made this bigger sign thinking that maybe you just couldn't find it, okay? So that's in there. Um, luncheon this week, Thursday the 16th, sign-ups are, there's a pink paper on the table. Bring a dish that you love. And some of you can wear the clothes that you wore today because we would love for you to wear red or pink, whichever, you know, you kind of lean towards, okay? And then the last thing, and um, Walt and Kristen, you'll be really happy for this one. Um, March 19th, that's, I'm giving you a little heads up. Um, we're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day by wearing kilts. So, um, 
Um, those of you, I would love for you people that have kilts out there, which obviously Kristen and Walt do, because they volunteered to greet. So um, we'll love to see you in your kilts. And um, hopefully a few more of you will sign up for March 19th so that you can bring out those kilts and really give it to us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lana. And uh, let's see, also this Thursday evening is our third Thursday family fun night, so dinner and fun activities for all ages, that's at six o'clock on Thursday. Um, and then a note, I heard from Holden Village this week and they are ready for a group from Trinity June 18th to 23rd. We have space to take up to 30 people from our church, so there are reservation sheets on the table in the narthex and a flyer there with some more information. This is an opportunity for anybody from Trinity to go spend a week at Holden Village. And I would love to share more information with you if you have questions about that. Um, I think, oh, and one last note about earthquake relief. We are uh, getting prepared to send a big check to uh, ELCA disaster response to help with the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria and um, all of the devastation there. So you are welcome to drop a check in the offering box this morning. Just write earthquake in the memo line and we will get that to where it needs to be. Have any other announcements? Carl. Just a couple. Um, this uh, next um, month, Sheila is uh, having a well-deserved visit with uh, her husband in India, so will not be here. We'll have a variety of other people, and I'm always grateful for my friend Ron playing with us every week to help uh, carry the music along. So, um, yeah. Keep Sheila in your thoughts and wish her well. All right, thank you. Oh, Orion. I wanted to say a word about Sunday Forum today. I had the benefit of doing my seminary work and continued public education with Pastor Wright at Bethany. We have had another who was before me to do the work there, and uh, Katrina will be doing her work later this year. It is an amazing, uh, wonderful work done by Pastor Todd for the benefit of others. And you're working with people in struggle, in hope, and in love. And it is a fantastic work that he does and that this organization does. I would strongly encourage you to attend. It is uplifting. And I hope that you will attend. All right, thank you, Orion. Then we continue with our worship service, the Lord's Prayer. Please stand as we sing. <clears throat>
blessings as you continue to sow love in God's garden. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And oh, that lights up the night. Love is a star that we follow to daylight. Love is a lighthouse that leads us safely home. The surest light we'll ever know.
It's time for us to leave this place. Lord, be with us as we go. Gently keep us in your grace, that in us your love may show. May we be to one another the things that you would have us be. Till you call us back together again as family. We go out in love united, having heard your call again. We know you'll be there to guide us, Savior, lover, teacher, friend. It's time for us to leave this place. Lord, be with us as we go. Gently keep us in your grace, that in us your love may show. May we be to one another the things that you would have us be, till you call us back together again as family.